Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, January 27th. For clarity, edit, at least mentally, what you say or write, always placing emphasis on simplicity, directness, and rhythm. Convoluted sentences merely bewilder the mind. Clarity requires special attention. Try to think with others. Take into account also their varied levels of understanding. When I've tried to help people with writing, and I'm, I'm not a very good teacher of writing or, or public speaking, I just, I've learned how to do them, but I, I've learned by my own weird ways of learning, I guess, or by Swami, Swami Kriyananda's grace, truthfully. So I don't know how to codify what I, what I have acquired. And I don't find it, I don't feel myself that it would be helpful for me to codify it. Now, I have never been encouraged by Swamiji to do so. So I don't train teachers and I don't train writers. But sometimes I do try to help people a little bit. And I try to help people with a few of the things that have really um, been beneficial to me. And one of them, and I, you know, this is just one of the things that I often ask people. I'll listen to after someone will give a, a talk, for example, in the context of Ananda. Somebody will speak. Um, recently, recently meaning the last couple of years, someone, I remember Swamiji, time gets very funny, doesn't it? I, at that time, during that period of time when this was going on, I, my job was to travel and do exactly what I'm doing here, but I would travel up and down the West Coast mostly, and I would give programs in various cities Portland, Seattle, and different places in Washington and Oregon and California. And I lived at Ananda Village, but I was on the road a lot. And I remember Swami gave a talk at one point, and he said, you know, Asha was just in Oregon at this particular conference, and she did so and so like this. And he was, he was speaking to a group that also included many people from Oregon, and they came up to me and they said, why didn't you tell us that you were there? I said, that was seven years ago. <laughs> But in Swami's mind, it was recently, because time for him was this tremendous flow. He knew that I'd been there, and so the fact that I had been there was as much now as anything else. But he just sort of thought about it differently. So when I say recently, I think it's also a factor of age. When you have a lot of decades behind you, things that are vivid, they're just vivid. And the fact that they happened a long time ago, they're still vivid. When I went to New York City, a few years ago, and perhaps it was the only time, the first time, I don't know if it was the first time I'd ever gone to speak, to lecture there, but it must have been close to it. Because I remember uh, standing up and I was about to say, you know, I, I lived for a summer in New York City, and it, it's very vivid in my mind. I lived, uh, on, was right by the, by the, one of the water areas, and I remember the apartment, and I remember sitting on the steps, and I was reading the Tolkien trilogy for the first time, and I was really enjoying it. I remember sitting on the steps reading the book and all of that. I started to speak about, you know, I know New York City. 
I had lived in New York City 50 years prior to the time that I was standing there. And it crossed my mind that 50 years in the life of New York City was a really substantial period of time. And probably my experience was not really relevant to the people that I was talking to. But it felt relevant to me. I mean, this is an explanation, you know, about age and time and how funny time is. I'm going to digress even farther. Dale Carnegie, who was a very, um, very, very popular and successful motivational speaker and trainer. I don't even know if people still know about him because, you know, tr times pass. He wrote a book which is called How to, Influ How to Win Friends and Influence People. And despite the title, what you might think, it's a superb book. It's probably free. It's probably in the public domain now. If you can get that book, you should read it. It's very, very good. And at the end of the book, um, he's giving advice to, I think, to husbands primarily, but also to husbands and wives, but to husbands. And he's talking about his aunt. And his aunt was like in her, and she was in her late 80s or her 90s, and she was dying. And her friends were coming to see her because they knew her life was coming to a close. And two of her lifelong friends had come and they were talking to her about a trip they had taken right after they got out of college, when they were like 21 or something, to Washington, D.C. And they had some photographs of their trip to Washington, D.C. And the woman couldn't see that well, but they were talking about, you know. And so she says, and we took a picture in front of the Washington Monument. And the, the woman who was dying said, what was I wearing? And they said, oh, you remember that polka dot dress with the big collar? Oh, yes, yeah, she said, that was so beautiful. I loved that dress. <laughs> and Dale Carnegie's advice to husbands was, never underestimate the importance of clothes to a woman. <laughs> As a woman, I will testify exactly to that. But I always think about that. You're 90 years old, you're on your deathbed. You have lifelong friends come in and you say, what was I wearing? What was I wearing 70 years ago? I remember it. And I do, <laughs> you know. You just, you remember because it's important to you. Now, let's see, coming back to recently, which is within the last few years, a friend of mine, I, I heard them give a, a talk, a public talk. It was actually a very good talk. It was very cogent. But afterwards... I, she asked me what I thought, and I said, who were you talking to? Like, who was your audience? And she didn't have an answer. Because what she had done had given an extremely cogent talk that was relevant to about, you know, like a 2% number of people on the whole planet. And it was very cogent, it was very good for that audience. But in the context... Was that actually the audience? Who were you talking to? And it's like, it's amazing to me how often we'll talk or we'll write. We'll talk in a public way. We'll talk in conversation in a group. Or often, and again, this comes to writing, people will write, who are you talking to? And I, I have published through Ananda, because I don't want to give the impression that the world's publishers are beating a path to my door because they are not. But I've written four books that relate to the teachings of Ananda. Two of them are about Swami Kriyananda. And, and, um, and, but I, had, I wasn't able to write those until 
well, I don't know, till past, past the age of 60, I believe, even though Swamiji tried to encourage me to write for publication much earlier than that, I simply wasn't able to do it. It took me many years to acquire what, what little skill I presently have. And, uh, but one of the things that, I, that really finally got me through it was that when I would sit down to write, and Swami just said this to me, he said it to me many times, but it took me a long time to really get it. Who are you writing to? And the first book that I was writing, which was about Swami Kriyananda, um, I was just writing it to everybody on the planet. I was writing it to the people who didn't like him. I was writing it to the people who didn't know him. I was writing to the people who were deeply devoted to him. I was writing to people who didn't even believe in what he was doing. And surprise, surprise, it was a mess. It was just a total mess because I, I didn't know who my audience was. And finally, I got that clear. And I actually, as, as it happened in that, I actually thought of a very specific person. I had a very specific person in mind who was very sympathetic, who was informed but not deeply informed, but was not argumentative, who was intelligent but also supportive. I mean, it was, it was a very specific individual. And I also knew within myself that that was someone I could communicate with. That this person over here who was mad at Swami for various reasons, I just, I didn't want to talk to them and I couldn't argue with them. It just didn't work for me. I mean, one can write a book to persuade one's enemies. One can write a book in answer to arguments that you think are false. These are perfectly valid things to do. But you have to then know, who am I writing to? And what is their reality? And, and what am I really trying to say to them? And then the second thing I had to decide was, you know, overall, quite apart from the details, because the first book, which is called Swami Kriyananda as We Have Known Him, was a, a very positive, very supportive book about the wonderful influence that Swamiji has had on the lives of hundreds of people. It's a series of, of actual personal experiences that I gathered some of them were mine, but many belonged to others. So it was very positive. What did I want people to know? That Swami Kriyananda was worth knowing because his influence on your life could be very positive. But I wanted to say that to someone who was positively inclined to believe that rather than someone who I was trying to persuade should know that. And therefore I had to you know, assert his characteristics. And once I got to there, then editing and clarity became possible. Because then I could watch when I was wandering off and having an argument with somebody. Oh, no, I'm not talking to that person. I'm talking to her. And I could, I could literally feel her mind. And it was, it was fun because soon after I published the book, I got, I got a note from that very person telling me how much they liked the book, which I thought was Divine Mother's little joke. It was, I never told her. But it just was, it was so perfect for me because it really showed me. And so whenever I'm in a conversation with anyone, there's a part of me that just asks, you know, one, who am I talking to? And so therefore, what's their context? Because you know how annoying it is when someone starts explaining to you what you already know, and they start, you know, giving you long analogies to explain, explain principles that you could be explaining to them, like, why are you trying to tell me? Or people try to persuade you of ideas that you've already long since accepted. And, you, and you, sometimes you get impatient and you try to get them to stop. You know, but why impose that? Who am I talking to? And then sometimes you have to ask. You know, I, I, I don't mean to be repetitious. I'm, I'm going to talk about the principle of, well, yesterday in this book, Dave, 
the date the day before this one we were talking about the concept of santosha which is divine contentment so you can say to someone you know are you familiar with this concept and they'll say yes i understand it or i know a little maybe you could help me and then you decide who am i talking to and then you also have to feel what do i want them to know when i'm finished do i want them to accept my idea do i really just want them to know how i feel because sometimes really all you want for someone to know is how i feel i feel the need to share this to you or with you or even if it's not the need i just have a desire for you to know a lot of times we just want to share our experiences you know it's just like it's i want to, it's not not fun just to keep it to myself i want you also to know or you're somebody who's close to me and i want you to know me maybe all you want is you want someone to know you so then you speak to them differently i find that most of it most of clear writing and clear speaking and so that's why swami says edit at least mentally what be, what you want to say or write most of editing is getting clarity about what your message is i mean that's what swami ji said to me when i was writing very very badly which i did for many years and he was training me he he when i was 24 he told me he wanted me to write a serious biography of him which i will hold up which was the fourth book i wrote it's called light bearer and if you have any interest in swami kriyananda which i would encourage you to have an interest in him 45 years of life experience that's what this is but when i was 24 he told me I, he wanted me to write that but not yet he said <laughs> and then he said he would help me and so for the next decades 30 plus years he helped me he was constantly helping me to understand both how to write and how to speak and it was mostly because i'm naturally articulate it was mostly learning to think clearly and learning to think in the ways some of the ways that i'm saying i might know what i want to say and i can you know i can recite it to the walls i can get the satisfaction of articulating it and if i was a no that that's not necessarily a a useless practice but if i'm in a position where i'm actually wanting to publish a book or post a a lecture or something like that who am i talking to and what do i want to say and i remember one of swami's wonderful remarks to me because he was so brilliant uh he said uh, you don't know what you when you're when you're writing he said it about something specific but he also said it as a general when you write you're not sure what you want to say so just to be certain you say it three times <laughs> which was very accurate. He was he was always accurate and I'm I'm a truth teller and even sometimes if the truth was a little hard I I would recognize it and he was exactly right. It wasn't that I couldn't write is that I couldn't decide what I wanted to say. So a great deal of editing is deciding what you want to say and recognizing you cannot be all things to all people. If you're going to take a stand in words, you have to take a stand and that's where I realized when I wrote that first book I just had to choose. I was not going to be able to defend Swami against his critics because he has many critics. I was not going to be able to persuade his critics that he was a good man. And so I just had to put them aside and I had to just write to one audience and then I had to get a simple message. And when I was talking to my friend who is your audience, you know, she was honest enough to say to me I I don't have any idea my audience is. So she just pulled the strand out articulated it extremely well but when she had to stop and think whether that was a conscious decision or not no it hadn't been a conscious decision and so that's what we're working with clarity clarity of intention 
clarity of mind, clarity of audience, clarity of heart, a real desire to communicate, a real love for the people you're communicating with, and then everything else will follow. So Swami says, for clarity, edit, at least mentally, what you say or write, always placing emphasis on simplicity, directness, and rhythm. Convoluted sentences merely bewilder the mind. Clarity requires special attention. Try to think with others. Take into account also their varied levels of understanding. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.